Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What you're about to hear is one of the most energizing and inspiring podcasts that I've done in the entire history of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. And that is a big statement because we've done over 100 of these episodes now. But this interview that you're about to listen to with Michael J. Sullivan and Robin Sullivan was intensely inspiring for me and has really changed things up for me in how I kind of go forward with my publishing career. So this is the first part of a two-part interview with the Sullivans. Um, And if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you subscribe so that you get notified when the second part of this episode comes out next week. All right, enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I'm joined by my fellow writers, starting with Michael R. Fletcher. Oh, uh, hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Paths Trilogy. Rob J. Hayes. Hello, I'm Rob J. Hayes, author of uh, Titan Hoppers. We'll go with that one. He, he's just he does that he freezes in mid-conversation he'll uh, he'll reboot in a couple of minutes <laughs> okay so that probably didn't come across it wasn't as a lag he just he just stopped yes, that's what he said. Yeah. yeah that's it that's right. um <laughs> i'm dirk ashton i am dirk ashton ashton author of the paternus trilogy and we are joined by two very special guests today michael j sullivan and robin sullivan welcome to the show Hello. Hello. Yes. We have to introduce ourselves too. Do it. Yeah, go ahead. I hate introducing myself. Okay, so <laughs> I'm an author of Rayer Revelations and what's the other one? Legends of the First Empire? And The Rise and Fall. So basically, I'm a science fiction fantasy author, but she never lets me say that I'm a science fiction because I only have one science fiction book. So she says, you can't say that. I'm like, well, technically I can because first of all, it's a genre kind of. And but second of all, I do have one book. Okay. <laughs> that counts. That counts. It sounds well enough. And I'm Robin, I'm the wife, and uh, my role is to keep everything non-writing off Michael's place, plate so he can do a lot of writing. So I deal with the agents and the publishers, and I do the self-publishing, and I do everything else. We need Kickstarters. To come up with W-I-F-E means something oh, yeah, completely different. Oh, right. yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Something more descriptive of the title. That's true. <laughs> so I do the... And- the way I like to think about it is I do the business side of writing and he does the writing. And I also teach, um, I also teach publishing and marketing to uh, primarily self-published authors uh, through various um, free classes I hold in the New York, in the uh, Washington DC area. Awesome. Yeah, All right. Like and um, yeah, the reason why we're really talking, <laughs> for, the reason why we'd be really excited to talk to you two today is uh, I think out of, all the authors that I kind of know, you two seem to have really nailed the process of launching fantastic Kickstarters for fantasy books. And uh, yeah, you've worked out a system that has really worked well for that. I know, Dirk, you have learned a lot from them as well. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe we could just start, before we get into sort of the Kickstarter tips and everything, 
how did you two decide to start like sort of dividing up the writing and the business side of things between the two of you? And when did that process sort of first begin? So Mike, Mike uh, tried writing for a long time and tried to try to get published traditionally, did a lot of, um, you know, query letters and stuff. And he got disgusted with it and he gave up and he got very, um, uh, very gone with the wind is like, you know, I will never, I will never write again, you know? <laughs> uh, and he didn't for 10, 12 years, something like that. And then we were kind of in a transitional phase cause, um, uh, we had started up an advertising agency and we got kind of bored with that. And I asked Mike, I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And he says, well, I'd like to go back to writing, but I don't want to publish because that way just leads to the dark side. Um, so I said, okay, well, that's fine. I can, I can bring in the money and you can go off and do your work. But when I read what he wrote, I said, look, these really have to get out there. And he said, well, I ain't doing it. And so um, <laughs> I took on the responsibility of working with agents and, and we got an agent and she shopped it around and it went nowhere. And then I thought about self-publishing and this was long before any of you guys were thinking about self-publishing. I mean, this is before ebook. This is before eBooks. Hmm. And then um, I started down the path of self-publishing and then this really small little publisher in the middle of nowhere uh, decided that they would um, pick up the books. And that's kind of the first foray into publishing. And then ever since then, it's just required someone to do the business side. And, and Mike had no interest in it, nor did I want him away from writing. I wanted him to concentrate on the writing so that I had something to, to give to other people. So, And the reason why she handled that question is because nefariously in the past, people have asked me, so how did you get into writing? And she's like, quicker, quicker. And I would for hours yeah. and hours. And I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. Was this only a two hour podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually timing her to see how quickly she was able to get through that. I did like that was 10 that years was in like three minutes. You did. You did good. Yeah. That was it's a pretty not, efficient summary. We've all, we've all already, um, already realized that we all need a Robin. You do. All of us. You do. We all need a Robin. Honest to God, you do. I mean, every time I do a, a lecture, people are like, can I hire you? And I'm like, no, um, because I have a very, I have one rule, which is I will do a lot of things for people for free, but I will never, ever, ever take money from authors. It's just, I think there's too many people out there kind of yeah. preying on authors that. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, if I ever told you the story that when I was first starting out, I was approached by an agent and we were trying to get an agent, <laughs> an agent. and they said, well, um, the only thing we have to ask you, even before reading your book or even a sample. Only thing we need to know is, are you willing to go on the late shows, like the, the Tonight Show and the other talk shows? Because, you know, some authors, you know, they, they won't do that. And I need someone who's willing to do that. Are you that person? <laughs> and, and then the contract came in and it was well, like a, it was like a thousand dollar a month fee or something. Yeah. It, it, was, it was crazy. Oh, so ever since that, and I realized that every time I've talked to someone, they will do anything to get published. They will simply, we've had no people who spend like $20,000 for PR. 30,000. 30, yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. And it I was is. like, that's not how you do this. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. But people will take yep. advantage of people so quickly. So the one way I always differentiate is that if someone's asking you for money in return for help, don't get the help because it's probably not legit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we, I mean, I teach classes on how to write too, but I've never, and I, I, when I used to do a class for uh, Writer's Digest, when I found out they were charging the people for my classes, I stopped doing it. Yeah. So, but I actually do it for free, and, but I don't. Yeah. Like we, we, we do a lot of pro bono stuff. We've had, um, trying to pull it back to Kickstarters at some point. Uh, so Dirk has been out to our place and, you know, we have authors out here. And every time I get near an author, I do talk to him about Kickstarters because I think, you know, it's a great way to go. It's, it really is a great way to go. Even more so now um, because of Sanderson. Uh, I think mm. the best thing that Sanderson did is he really shone a spotlight on Kickstarters and literary projects because for a long time uh, in the Kickstarter ecosystem, publishing was the little sleepy corner. Games were very big. You know, you had some really big products that hit it out of the park, like the Pebble Watch and the Coolest Cooler and uh like the umi uh stove and stuff but um you know up until very recently michael had like the top he had he had like five of his kickstarters were in the top 10 
of all earning Kickstarters. <laughs> now he's been pushed down really far. And, and to be honest, I want him to be pushed down really far. I want more <laughs> authors to come in and be more successful than Michael did. So, uh, um, so now, it, now it's getting the detention it, it, it deserves. And I think that's because of Sanderson's Kickstarter. I think that's Absolutely. the biggest thing that he, you know, did that. But that said, I don't think you have to be, you know, a Sanderson to to do well. I mean, yeah, we couldn't get people to do Kickstarters no. when we first started. We we talked with several. Well, we asked. We were on Dirk for yeah. years. Oh, I, res I resisted. I resisted for years because I was yeah, afraid was, of the several. amount of work. I didn't know if it would be successful. Yeah. And you know, honestly, you guys, you guys are like, I mean, on Reddit for years, you guys have been like some of the most supportive people, if not the most supportive people for self pubs that I definitely are that I know of. I mean, I've, I've actually asked myself, why, why are they being so helpful? Why are they being so nice? You're not it's the first person. <laughs> she used to go to do. Okay. So when I couldn't get published through the big publishers and we, we went around and shopped at the small place and they still couldn't get published. She decided she was going to sell pub and this is before ebooks. So we were going to print up our own books and sell them literally out of the trunk of the car. That's how hardcore we were getting. Mm -hmm. it, just as we got it done, we got 300 books printed. We had them all set to go. And then we found an email from this company in Minnesota who was going to publish my first book. We went, Oh, oh crap, no. I guess we should check our email occasionally. <laughs> so when that happened, she had all this knowledge about how to self-publish and she didn't have anything to do with it anymore. She was like, oh, well, that's quite a letdown. So she decided to go to the local uh, the library and start meet basically yeah, meet doing a meetup and pe teaching people how to do it. And she would invariably go to these classes and she would teach people for an hour or two and she would have like 20, 30 people in the class. And when she got done, they're like, this is fantastic. But they'd all come up and ask the same damn question. Why, why? Are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> Where do you get the money out of this? And she's like, there's no money, but it, it's, it's, I, it, I've learned a lot. And if I can, and if I can get that, that information into other people's hands, then it, I've done some good in the world. And that's really what it's about, you know, is, is I, I, my brain before it starts leaking out my ears, um, I just have a lot of information and I, you know, if I can help people with it, I want to, because yeah, we have a, we have a bookshelf downstairs that is devoted to the people who have gotten their books published that we've had at least something to do with. Yeah. So, and Dirk's on there. Yeah. Dirk has his up. Yeah. And it's an honor. The, you know, and I would not be surprised at all if you, I mean, there's no doubt that you guys helped lay the groundwork for what Sanderson did, but I wouldn't be surprised. You did. If yeah. he and his, if he or at least he and his his people were very aware of what you guys were doing, he said oh, yeah. no. He said it. He said it. Oh, he, he said did. It like, oh, yeah, yeah. When he was doing I his Kickstarter, it. he recognized us as like, you know, he he said something along the lines, you know, like I'm not the first to do this. Michael Sullivan has been out there doing it for years, and he's doing a very good job with it, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we got to take that clip somewhere and like, <laughs> what's well, funny? It. <laughs> because it's with with Brandon. I was on a uh, panel with him at Kineticon, and uh, we actually had a debate over self-pub versus traditional. But what was really interesting was that we gave him one of our books. He was he was signing just to the left of me, and I was signing here, and everyone was walking in front of me. And, and I would like – I had a whole pile of free books that was given, and I had a handler. Does everyone know what that is? Because I didn't. <laughs> but sitting there, and he's supposed to do whatever I want. He's my own personal slave. It was great. And people would come up. <clears throat> they would look at my pile of books and they would say, um, I know, but it'll come back around. But he, he said, <laughs> this is fine. Keep going. I'm enjoying the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said, can we buy the books? I said, no, you can't because they were free. But I didn't tell them that. And the guy thought it was crazy. And so eventually they did start coming over. And it was like this little secret. And they started, everyone in his line got my book. So they went up to Brandon's yes. place. And at the end, I saved one book because I knew my plan was going to work. And it did because they actually got done signing. He walked away. He said, all right, give me one of your damn books because everyone else, <laughs> every single person. Has so I gave it to him. And then, I don't know, a year or two later went by and we saw. Yeah. So he was doing one of his classes and he was talking about self-publishing. And, and, and he's in this class. He says, you know, and there's that guy, you know, that guy, I, I read his book. His book was really good. What was his name again? He's talking to his, his other guy in the class. He's like, 
you know, is is is, is, is that book? It's got the two guys in it. I'm like, it's Michael J. Sullivan. Say it, say it. And then he finally yeah, came up with it. You know. So I assumed that he couldn't even remember who I was, which is probably the case. But, but he did he have the book. But then I saw another post where he endorsed me in a bookstore. It says yeah. books by recommended yeah. by Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, books recommended. Oh, wow. And the book was there. Yeah. And I thought, oh my, that's weird. Yeah. That's and huge. then he made the comment about the Kickstarter. And then also recently he said something about me being a good writer, which I, I'm like, he's like the only writer who I know who's actually apparently read me. Right. But I don't, I don't, I can't even verify he did, but it's just weird. Yeah. That's awesome. That well, is if he, said, if he said he, if Wrong he said segue. he did, yeah. if he said <laughs> yeah. he read it, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to apologize. Any segue about Brandon Sanderson is a segue that I wholeheartedly endorse <laughs> upon this show. Our, our, our brush with <laughs> he is my greatness. favorite author. Jed's, our brush with greatness. Jed's yeah, a bit of greatness. Jed's a bit of a Sanderson fanboy. Yeah, you can well, probably see like, all of his books behind me right up here. <laughs> Hates him. <laughs> so, so I'm going to try and drag it back to Kickstarters again. Yes, please do. Uh, That'd be fantastic. Because here's the thing that I think is the thing about Kickstarters that everyone is missing, I and mean, particularly Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter. Because you know, like everyone's like, "Oh my God!" You know, he made so much money, and oh, you know, you know, it, you know, his biggest Kickstarter ever, uh, forty-two million dollars. You know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, that's not what's important. What's important is Brandon Sanderson now is in possession of 185,000 readers' emails yep. that he knows buys his books, right? Yep. And yes. if Sanderson does another traditional publishing deal ever, I don't know why he would. Because all he has to do, you know, I mean, the, 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 the amount you get by selling direct versus selling through the bookstores and and just the freedom to be able to do whatever you want. Well, there's a security involved that he can't have his business taken away unless they right. shut down the internet entirely. Right. You know, but, like but like if argument, Amazon. The argument for would be convenience. Now he has people doing this. Yes, he does. And if that experiment doesn't work out for him, I could see him going back to. No, but he's been had this team for a long time. Yeah, I know, but this is the first time they've done a thing of the scale. I think. Well, it's the first time anyone's done it right. the scale. But the, the, <laughs> but the thing with so the thing with Kickstarter's is. And, you know, some, some of the, the points I want to make about Kickstarters is um, we don't do Kickstarters for money. Like most people do Kickstarters for money, right? Like most self-published authors are like, I don't have the money for a print run. So I'm going to do a Kickstarter. And sometimes it's like for the cover design and the editing and all that. We don't need Kickstarters for that. But we run Kickstarters because one of the, one of the things i'm a big proponent of is to remove as many middlemen between the author and the reader because the author and the reader are the only two people who are necessary in this whole equation of the writing business well narrator don't forget narrator well and narrator yes i never forget them uh, and you know we all all self published well not we because we do kickstarters but most self published authors are in constant fear of what happens if amazon changes things right like mm. if they kick me off the platform or if they change their royalty rates. I mean, we were on Amazon back in the days when the royalty rate was 35%, right? When they told us that they were going up to 70%, I was like, oh my God, they're going to 75%. I mean, they could, you know, and, and I'm not an Amazon phobic person. You know, I look, I know Amazon made us lots of money. I love Amazon. But the fact of the matter is, is when you have that direct connection with your readers. Yes then you are set for life. As long as you keep producing stuff that they like, and as long as you have a way to reach them, you don't ever have to worry about anyone else. And I just don't like, I mean, talk about independent. I'm a real independent. Like I, you know, we sell a tremendous amount of books direct to consumers. Um, and the other thing about Kickstarters is the Kickstarter community is just very enthusiastic. And one of the things that comes about by doing a Kickstarter is they really feel that they have, it's kind of like Patreon in some respects, but even better than Patreon because they feel responsible. They feel like they helped to bring this thing into being, which they have. I mean, their money helped to allow us to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do. You know, in our most recent Kickstarter, um, for years I've wanted hub spines on my, you know, faux leather copies. Hub spines are really expensive. Yeah, what does that look like? 
There are these little bumps. Yeah, they stick out. That, that like in the old timey books, mm-hmm. they used to have these bumps when they bound them. They were and beautiful. And these cost like it's like ten dollars added on top of a book. You know, like so if your book's printing for two dollars, you just bumped it up to twelve dollars, right? And um, you know, no publisher in the world would ever publish. You know, give me hub spines. They just wouldn't. It's just there's only one binder in the entire United States who can do hub spines. Yep. Um, they're very complicated. They're very expensive. But through Kickstarters, we can literally do whatever we want. When you yeah. got to get another prop. Yeah. Um, I want the the uh, slipcase for Legends of the First Empire. Right mm-hmm. way downstairs. Oh, you mean you mean like the one I have on my shelf over there here? You go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Hey, nice work, Doug. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I really want slipcases, right? And to make up a single slipcase, it's rather expensive to do. Um, and I said, well, you know, I want a slipcase for these books. Yeah, here he comes. This this monster of a, a beast. So for people just side. listening on the podcast feed, the feel free to head over side. to the YouTube yeah, channel to uh, see the video version of this. Yeah. So I wanted to make these slipcases, right? <laughs> so I was like, I was like, well, let me just run a Kickstarter to see like whether other people would like slipcases, because then I could do a you know production run as opposed to doing a one-off. And mm. we we did like fifteen hundred of them, and then since then we've done three additional printings of it, so they keep selling. And, um, you know, it, it, it allows me to get something that I wouldn't normally be able to, I wanted to do posters You know, I want a poster on my wall, but again, printing up one poster nowadays, you can actually get it better. Um, but at the time you really couldn't do one poster. You needed to do like a hundred posters. So I was like, well, well, part of the Kickstarter, I'll do posters. And that way I can have a poster for my wall and my readers can have a poster for them. So, you know, Kickstarters allow you to make things that you would probably not necessarily make if you didn't have Kickstarters. The people get very enthusiastic um, around it. And then for one of the things that we do, which is a little bit harder for the self-published authors because, man, you guys work at the speed of light. Um, But one of the things that we do is we have really long release cycles. So it does allow us to get the books in the hands of people long before it hits the shelves. And what that does is allows us to get like a lot of reviews on Goodreads before usually positive just because they are backing the thing so right and they're usually true it helps and and then when the book finally does come available on amazon a lot of people will copy and paste their reviews so we get a lot of amazon reviews like on day one because the people actually got the books three months before the release and they've already read them and there's also kind of this exclusivity type thing you know like I'm reading the the latest Michael J. Sullivan book, and you guys can't because it's it's not available anywhere else in the world. No, um, but the, but the, but then outside of all that, outside of all that, you then have the emails of all those people. I I just recently did a a quiet Kickstarter. It's not a it's not an official Kickstarter. It's like uh, I'm doing a private imitation um, event for our fans, and I took people who had like done our Kickstarters before. And, um, and I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do a true Kickstarter because this thing that I'm selling is very limited in the number of quantity. And, um, because of that, if someone had, if I had done a Kickstarter, it's really like who got there first, right? It's like, you know, whoever clicked the button first and the most ardent of fans wouldn't, would be locked out. So what I did is I literally hand invited like our kind of our top fans the people who've been very supportive of us let them get in made sure that they were either able to say yes or no and then you know let some other people in and over a period of time so in doing that i kind of compiled my list of emails that are were just from kickstart backers and I, that list is over twenty five thousand people Whoa. you know now, correct me, maybe I did, maybe mention this and I didn't hear you, but one of the things we also discovered when we did our first Kickstarter was the fact that when we, um, oh yes, when yes. we put out Hollow World, which is the first one we did, we were shocked that most of the people who backed it were had never heard of had me. never heard of Michael. So most people presume that you're doing this for the money, and it's not. When she said she began this by saying we're not doing it for the money, but it's actually a promotional thing because yeah. people who are on Kickstarter are people who are on Kickstarter. They're just back projects. So you have a whole new reservoir of potential readers sitting there waiting for you. So if you just do a Kickstarter, you can get funded merely by the base of Kickstarter. And then 
anyone else who you contact and it spreads out. So you, it's almost like the difference of, it's not quite as good, but going from being traditionally or self-published to traditionally published, we saw our, our base of readership go up. And same thing happened with Kickstarter. You also hit, you tap a whole new Now, if I were to get my books made into a movie, that again would expand that further. So when you're writing and you're looking for larger audiences, you want to go into new ecosystems. And one of them would be mm -hmm. Kickstarter. One of them would be movies. One of them would be, you know, audio. audio. And these, every time you get into a new ecosystem, because there are people who can't read. They only listen to books. So being in audio will probably double, if not triple, your, your reader base. Yeah. And every time you do that, when you put out a new book, that book is going to sell two, three times more. And you'll probably have some drop off when people read your book and they don't like it. But it more than makes up for it when you go into the, the larger ecosystem. So Kickstarter is one of those things. Yeah. The, the, well, actually, the reason we got into Kickstarter is kind of interesting. So we were out to dinner with a traditionally published author, a very mid-listy traditionally published author. And he had written a series and his agent tried to sell it. And, and they got some offers, but the offers were terrible. And the author wouldn't uh, debase himself to take those offers, which I applaud him for. <laughs> and, but he decided to put it in a drawer. And I said, uh, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you self-publish? And he's like, well, I really don't have the money to self-publish. You know, I, I live book to book. Um, you know, if I were to self-publish, I want to do it right. And that means hiring an editor and a good cover designer and, you know, doing all this stuff. And I just, I don't have the cash for that. I said, well, why don't you run a Kickstarter? You have a fan base. You, you might as well do a Kickstarter, you know? And he says, oh, no, I, I don't think that will work. And when I have an idea and someone tells me I don't think it will work, <laughs> I have to prove them wrong. So our first Kickstarter was merely to. Um, we should have bet money is what we should have we done. We should have done. <laughs> yeah. So it was, was really to show him that it would work. And I did. Um, and it, uh, he still a, didn't. He still didn't. It's a bad idea to bet against her. Yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, it's I, even worse to bet against the two of us. Yeah, I had a I had a friend one time. We started an advertising agency, and uh, what, when I took my hiatus from writing, and he found a friend of ours found out that we were starting an advertising agency. And this is a guy who used to work at Bell Labs. I mean, he was a certified genius. Yeah, he was very smart. And he's like, I want to invest in this company. We went, oh no, we're not taking people's money because this is the first time we ever started a business. It's probably going to fail. No, no, because you guys are a sure bet. I want to put money into this. We didn't let him, but- Yeah, we didn't let him, but- But we actually did really well. We did do really well in that business. Um, but anyways, so, so Kickstarter is a new ecosystem. You get access to the email addresses, which just is amazing. And the other thing is you're, 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 I'm all about, you know, one of the reasons why we don't traditionally publish anymore is the amount of money that other people take from Michael's work is so massive. And the crumbs that get left over by him is so minor. When you do Kickstarters, you've taken the distribution chain out of the, out of the, the equation. That's a huge amount. I mean, they take more than 50% right off the top. You take the publishers out, you take the agents out, you take everyone out, and Kickstarter's fees, it's only 5%. So, you know, if you sell a, book, a hardcover book for $30, which is a, a perfectly reasonable amount to do a hardcover book for, costs you two and a half dollars to print. You, you pay, you know, you know, buck 50 to, um, to Kickstarter. That means you get like $25 of a $30 purchase going into your pocket, right? Yeah. And readers like to support their, the writers they like. I mean, they don't want you guys making pennies. They, they really like the fact that more of their money comes to you. Um, and Kickstarters really enable that. There is one other thing about Kickstarters that I should mention, and Dirk, I'm gonna be on you for your next one because you haven't done this yet. And that is that the Kickstarter itself is not, the only money that is involved with the Kickstarter. Because if you use products like Backerkit or Pledgebox, mm -hmm. what you can do is even after the Kickstarter is over, because there's inevitably there are people that are like, oh, I missed the Kickstarter. I'm really bummed. But if you use these products, it allows you to open a pre-order store where people can continue to back the project after the Kickstarter is over. So like on our most recent Fairlane Kickstarter, we raised just over $200,000. But another $35,000 came in just for people after the fact. 
And we also, um, by we, I don't mean Mike because he doesn't do nothing. Um, but me, <laughs> me and my son uh, uh, ran a Kickstarter for Will White, and he brought in what was it? Dirk? It was seven hundred over seven hundred thousand. Dirk and I were at, at dinner together as his yeah. Kickstarter ended, and he did over seven hundred thousand. But another ninety-two thousand dollars has come in on the back end <laughs> from people yeah. after the fact. Wow. So you know, you know that you know it's worthwhile. It's it's worth doing that, you know, and and then. And and then if you if you aren't currently selling direct to readers, which a lot of authors don't do, because I know is a huge hassle, right? You get like one order a week, and you got to package it up, and you got to take it to the book, you know, to the, the the post office, and a big pain in the ass. But if you you could leave that store open or use that as your online store, so you could continue to sell, you know, books without having to set up something very complicated on your website. Um, now we have a uh, you know a, an entire like system for this uh, you know I bought a Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What were we calling it? The Annex? Yeah. So, so the mm-hmm. Annex is my warehouse. It, it used to be a church. It doesn't it's look anything church. like a church now. Yeah. And it's church. amazing. Yeah, it doesn't look like a church. I anymore. can't wait. To, I can't wait to see. Oh, you got to come out. Like we it. can't wait to yeah. see either. This has been a long project. So AC Cobble is coming to the church um, in well as soon as we can get his books off the off the print because he's actually going to sign. He he did a Kickstarter that we helped him out with, and so he's coming to sign. So it's going to be really cool because he'll get to sleep in the in the annex. in the annex, <laughs> and then he can go down to the the basement of the annex and sign all his so, books. So just so. to explain. It, we used to, it was a church. So ever Mike since then, churches. we called it the church. And it was really awkward. It's like, where's Robin? Oh, she's at the church. And like, really? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know she was at the church. Yeah. And, it's, and so it got to be a little awkward. So she wanted to change the name. And the first thing that popped into her head apparently was Annex. And I'm, we're going to change that at some point, I'm sure. But it it's works for now. Name. The Annex. The Annex. How about the, the love- shrine to Sullivan's books? Nah. Yes. The Love, well, the we love Shack. The church. We kind of figured it was, you know, I'm starting my own religion now. Yeah. I mean, it has there a nice podium. We could put my book up on it. The, yeah, the, the yeah. Sullivan religion of Kickstarter. <laughs> Today we're reading a scripture from the opening book of Theft of Swords. No, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, teaching, we're teaching why people need to do Kickstarters. I just call it the Love Shack. <laughs> <laughs> we're so going to stop, stop talking and let you yeah. guys talk so, for a second. Yeah. So no, now you guys throw questions I, at us yeah. about Kickstarters. I love this. Throw, throw I questions so at many. About- Starters. Yeah, I. No, have, one, so, this is incredible. Dirk, you go first. Yeah, I just uh, I just wanted to say that uh, you know I've done three Kickstarters, 
with, yes. you know, of course, thanks to, to these guys for, uh, for helping me out, getting, getting going with those. And, uh, mine are, a, are a small, tiny compared to even Mike and Robbins. Com- and ours are small, know, tiny compared to, to Sanderson White. or Will White. Yeah. And, and Will White's um, is small compared to Sanderson's. Yeah. yeah. And, and so because mine is smaller, uh, uh, I was, I didn't, I like, I order 500 books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I ordered 500 with mine, but you guys order how many? 20,000? No, 10,000. 10,000. 10, so 000. I, even, even though I make less and I pay more for the books than 250, it's not all that much more. No. Right. Um, and I, and they still worked out really, really well for me. Right. So, and, and people are also doing audiobooks now, you know, yes. so they can produce them themselves and keep all the rights. They'll go in and uh, do a Kickstarter for audiobooks, but they'll produce it outside of like ACX so that they can, they can then deliver them. Yes. Once they're done to the people who backed them. And then once they do that, then they can get it up on Audible through right. ACX. Exactly. Um, so yeah, all kinds of great things are, 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 are getting done. Um, yeah. Even, and even, it, even on a very small scale, you know, people just 2,500, 3,000 is all they really need to do something and, and they're, they're getting it, you know? Well, and one other thing that I should mention, um, it, it kind of goes into Kickstarters and the other thing I'm going to be on you, Dirk, because this, this is, is the, the attack Dirk show. This is the, Robin, <laughs> this is the Robin soapbox thing. So I do want to Robin's encourage verse. authors to sell more direct, you know, and Kickstarters is certainly a big part of that. But, you know, mm-hmm. we like I just tallied up again because I was doing some statistics for some for some other stuff. But like I tallied up like how many books, you know, how much money have we made so far this year just selling books from our annex directly to our consumers, right? Directly to our readers. We're people buying books directly from us. And it's over $70,000. And all of those books are are have a zero cost because the Kickstarter funded the entire print Paid run. For them. So yeah. so 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 when I figure that that money out, literally the only money that's coming out of my pocket for that is the two point nine percent credit card processing fee. So I so, need to, you know I'm making a lot. I of, need to jump in here just in case people are watching this and they make the wrong conclusions because people often do this. The idea of a Kickstarter <clears throat> is important to understand. Most people think that they are funding this project <clears throat> when, in fact, it's pre-ordering the book. Yep. Well, no, they think they're they think they're give, they think they're giving charity to yes, the author, exactly. or, or giving you know they think you know they're they're just giving to you and hoping that you will do something with it. But that's not the case. And and with most authors, it is simply pre-ordering the book, which is exactly what happens when book uh, authors get advances so mm-hmm. in, except in this case you're using that money to produce the book right but they are not giving money that they're not getting something for every cent that they give is buying something yeah and therefore yep. it is not a charitable case which much people think kickstarters and uh, well yeah when, when, when sanderson was doing his kickstarter a lot of people were like saying things like you know why should i give money to this multimillionaire? right it's like, well, you're not giving money. You're, you're buying a book. You're purchasing no. a product. Yeah. The, the requirement yeah. of Kickstarter is you have to produce something. You can't just, you can't just do a Kickstarter, you know, to get, you know, to get money. You have to, it's, it's an exchange right. for something. So, and in fact, it has to be something new. Because at one time mm-hmm. I wanted to run a Kickstarter. We had, one of our publishers had put one of our books out of print. And the publisher said, before we take these books and pulp them, are you interested in buying them? I'm like, heck yeah, you know, because I know I'll sell them eventually. Um, and so I want to do a Kickstarter for people to buy copies of that book, but I couldn't because it was a it was something that was already made. Yeah, right. So you, and you have to make something new. Now that can be a reprinting of a book that you have released years ago. It could be taking a book you released years ago that was only in ebooks and making a paperback. It could be taking a paperback and making a hardcover. It could be taking a hardcover and making a um, faux leather version of the hardcover. A special edition. A special edition. Or it can be as simple as doing a, a slipcase. I mean, we, we earned over $100,000 just doing slipcases. Now, that slipcase project, 
we did not make the hundred thousand dollars only on slipcases because the beauty of it was a lot of people saw the Kickstarter. They didn't have any of the other books, so they could buy the slipcase and all six books. Yep. Or for people who had three of the books, it gave them an incentive for buying books four, five, and six because then they could get the slipcase for the whole thing. So, you know, a, a large number of those orders, I mean, we had some orders, obviously, that were just slipcases. And I didn't run the statistics, so I don't know exactly how it broke down. But a lot of those were books plus slipcase. So that, you know, that got more physical books sold, too, because we, we did that as part of it. And like AC Cobble's most recent Kickstarter, one of, the, one of his reward levels, his top reward level was to get a paperback of every single book he had published before. So he had a really high level tier. It was several hundred dollars. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he got a substantial number of those. And in fact, mm-hmm. the number was so great that I have, I don't know, over 2,000 pounds of his backlist sitting mm. in the annex waiting for him to come sign because those were all sold through the Kickstarter in addition to the new book that he was releasing as part of his Kickstarter. So not right. only did he get people getting the new book in his series, but they also were buying his backlist. People like click. And I have, you know, I, I have a number of orders where I'm literally shipping 17 books to yeah, people to one person bought, yeah you know because they bought everything but yep. to to make a point here is that kickstarters function in the same way that advances function for traditionally published authors mm-hmm. obviously if not everyone here understands how publishing works the publisher gives you not i'm not talking about you guys of course i'm talking about viewers <laughs> uh, but when you go traditional, they give you money up front, and it's usually not that much, but let's say you did a three-book deal and you got a pretty good one, you might get $20,000 if you were doing really well, and that's what you get up front to write those three books, and you live off that money, presumably, until you get those books done, and then in a perfect world, you start making royalties, and then you can start the next books, but unfortunately, what actually happens is you'll blow through that money in a year or two because surprisingly enough, $20,000 is not enough to live on uh, for three years because that's how long it usually takes for most traditional published writers to write a book. Not sure exactly why, but yes. So for three books to get that done, you're going to be living on the street apparently for the last couple of years. Um, And, but with Kickstarter, it's the same thing. You get your advance and you get to live off that money while you produce the book. Now that's generally not how I would suggest you do it. Is it much better to have the book done and then seek that and then start your next book while you're working on it. But Obviously, this is the exact same methodology, and it is available to independent authors through Kickstarter, where you can actually get that money funded up front. So you're not on the line for the money because you know exactly how many books people want. You can print up to that. You'll probably want a little more because you have the backer kit. But the idea is you're not on the line for like we did printing up 300 books and we don't know if we're going to sell any of them. In fact, I don't think we did. No. <laughs> so that's, what's really good about it. It's an insurance policy that makes sure that you don't overproduce. Well, which and, is great. and the other thing is, and I can't believe that I can't get this one author to commit to this. There's a, there's a very famous science fiction author who I've been trying to get to do a Kickstarter. And, and he was very excited about it for a long time, but he wanted to do action figure figures of his characters which is very expensive and very hard to produce. And I was like, no, stick to the books. You know, like the people want the books and so forth. And he won't do the Kickstarter without the action figures because he thinks he needs both. But that's neither here nor there. But the the point is, he says, well, I just don't think people would be interested in just the books. But the beauty of Kickstarter is you know whether they are or not. I mean, you set your goal. And if you don't reach your goal, you're not out anything. You're not out anything. They don't get Mm. charged. You don't, all you lose is that little bit of time it took you to set up the Kickstarter. And, yeah. and, yeah, when we first started, and it allows you to see whether, like this whole yeah. thing with the slipcase, I didn't know whether that had any legs or not. I didn't know if anyone other than me would be interested in, you know, hub spined versions of our books. I didn't know if anyone would be interested in us, you know, paying $35 right. for a slipcase. So you do the Kickstarter. And if it, if it turns out no one's interested, what are you out? You're out a few hours that it took you to set so it up. The ideal entrepreneurship when you're starting a business is a business in which you risk nothing 
but you gain possible wonderful rewards. Right. And when we started my advertising agency, I already had a computer and that's all I needed. She brought me clients and I worked using programs I already had. It didn't cost me anything. If I failed, we weren't out any money. So when you're doing this, the same concept, if you don't risk anything, but you can start a business on it. Why wouldn't you? What's the mm. downside? Yeah. Now, now there, is, there, there is a downside. And the downside is that if you don't have a Robin. I was going to say that. Or if you don't have a lot of kids, <laughs> it is going to take time away from your writing. I mean, that so, is, so, so that this is, is the, the question downside. I have to ask you. What? So one of the things all the readers or viewers out there are thinking to themselves, yeah, this sounds great. But what if I get 100,000 people buying my books? How do I get those out the door to them? I don't want to sit there and put them in envelopes and mail out. So please answer that question for all these wonderful people. Okay. So there are tons and tons and tons of fulfillment companies um, where they, you know, well, first of all, you should, you know, when you price your product, um, you should have shipping on there and you need to account for overseas shipping, which can be very expensive, right, Dirk? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's, you know, but, but there are fulfillment companies that will do this for you that, you know, you could have the books printed and sent directly to another company. And all you do is you export out of your Kickstarter. Uh, well, actually you would use Pledgebox or, or Backerkit, but you, you export their information, you send it to them and they will mail them for you. So you don't have to ship them. Now, of course, they, they take a little bit of money, right? You, I mean, that's, that's what they do. Uh, I used to have a fulfillment company. Uh, they, I had a fulfillment company, and they did both my Kickstarter shipping and then my daily orders, you know, like how I told you to sell directly to consumers. And they, and they did that. So there are, are, are plenty of companies out there that will do that. What's really cool about Kickstarters, as opposed to the daily orders, is most of these fulfillment houses will charge you uh, warehousing fees, right? Like you're taking up room in their warehouse. They have to accommodate for that. So, you know, they're going to charge you, you know, like if you had a pallet of books sitting, in, I think my, my fulfillment company, if I had a pallet of books sitting in their warehouse, it cost me $9 a month. And if you're not selling a lot, you know, that's, that's an overhead that you have to do. But the cool thing about Kickstarters is you send all this stuff to the fulfillment partner and it's gone at the end of the Kickstarter, right? You send them some extras because there might be damages or things that get lost in the mail. But when the Kickstarter is over, you just have them ship back to you whatever was was left over, and then you don't have those warehousing fees. And they're very happy to do that because. So, <clears throat> how would you find a fulfillment? Well, Kickstarter itself is partnered with a lot of uh, of um, companies. There's a company companies. called Flowship. There's yeah. a company called uh, ShipBob. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of them. I can't, I, you know, we don't use them. The company I used was called Box In, Box Out. And the reason why I use Box In, Box Out is they are a fulfillment company in rural Virginia, literally 30 miles from my house. And it was providing job living in rural Virginia. Um, there is a, a need for jobs. You know, it is not an area that is yeah, right. It's a small business. Yeah. A very small business. It's really small business. I think there was like five people working yeah. there or something. So like they that. were very happy to have the work. Yeah. So we <laughs> we use that as a fulfillment company because it was a, a community. It was a business in our community that you know was hiring people from our community. The only reason why we stopped using them was they eventually ended up uh, getting rid of their warehouse and they started renting out space within a really large company's warehouse called Plow and Hearth. I don't yeah. know if anyone wow. knows who Plow and Hearth I'm is. I'm surprised you actually pulled that one out. I couldn't think of it. I know. <clears throat> um, but that made it really difficult for us to work with them because Mike signs his books. Mm. So getting into the Plow and Hearth warehouse was like getting into Fort Knox. Yeah, we had, had to have a lot of security. A lot of security. And, and, it and of was course, just, during COVID, it was a real nightmare because... Yeah, I mean, during COVID, oh, it was even worse. It was like under lockdown. Yeah. So, and that's when the annex came for sale. And I thought, well... And I had paid over over a period of like three years. I had paid. I this shows you how many books that we sold, right? So over a period of of three years using them, I think they probably made about eighty thousand dollars off of me, and they were making like two dollars a book from me. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, it, it was great having them do it because I didn't have to do anything. But I'm I'm transitioning a lot of what I used to do over to my children and now my children are quitting their day jobs 
and the, you know they're working at the annex and they're running kickstarters and they're doing stuff so like bottom that, line so. is if you do everything that we did you will too will create generational wealth <laughs> <laughs> nice Okay, so that's the end of part one. Like I said, part two comes out next week. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you will be notified immediately when the episode releases next Monday. I super enjoyed this discussion and the second half just gets even better. So I'll see you then. In the meantime, you might enjoy this video about a author who ran a half a million dollar Kickstarter campaign for a book about the history of text adventures. The link to that is also in the show notes down below. I'll see you in the next video. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.